Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. Today, I'm excited to share a recent and a returning Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Patricia Levy, and her winning book is titled Reinvention, Methods of Social Fiction. She is widely considered the world's most visible proponent of arts-based research as a means of making research publicly accessible. She also coined the terms social fiction and fiction-based research. A prolific author, Patricia Levy has published over 40 books. Really, so much more to know, and you can find that out after our conversation at patricialevy.com. And I am so happy to share her once again with you, so welcome back, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. It's always a treat to speak with you. I know. I agree with you. Sometimes you just feel connected to somebody, and I do, and so happy that we have an opportunity to do this again. Oh, you're so kind. I feel the same way about you. Thank you. So congratulations on the book win. Thank you. I'm so excited. This book uh, was a long time coming. It's, it's, you know, with all the books I've done, the truth is I feel like I, I spent sort of 20 years building a career that all culminated in this book. So I'm, I'm really excited to share the book, and I'm so honored for it to receive any kind of recognition. Oh, you say you put a lot of time and years into this, and it had to be the right moment to do this. And your previous book, Low Fat Love, was considered social fiction. That's exactly right. And it, just for our listeners, you might be wondering, you know, what the heck is social fiction? It's really, it's just fiction that is written by scholars. And, and so their research experiences influence the fiction. And a lot of people think, oh, wow, that's like a really crazy idea that you'd have scholars write fiction. But actually, a lot of really successful, famous people that we admire have done it. I mean, you know, um, Jean-Paul Sartre, who won the Nobel Prize, he wrote many plays and short stories and novels based on his philosophy um, and espousing his viewpoints. Simone de Beauvoir, Zora Neale Hurston. I mean, I could go on and on. And those are, of course, just the people you've heard of. But just to give some context. So really, social fiction to me is fiction that is written um, by scholars and grounded in their scholarly concerns, insights, theories, research. So as folks are listening to this and they are not considered scholars, let's just say that they have done a body of research on a topic and then decide to create a fictionalized version of that. Is that considered social fiction? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you don't need to have a PhD um, to write social fiction. And in fact, I edited a book series for 10 years called the Social Fiction Series. Um, and it was a very successful series for an academic publisher. We published full-length novels, plays, poetry collections, short story collections. And we published some books by students, by graduate students. Um, we published a novel by someone who only has a bachelor's degree but has done a lot of research in the area in which their book was written. So absolutely. I mean, really, I just use the term social fiction to sort of distinguish it from straight-up fiction, Mm -hmm. really it's about intent. I mean, do you just want to write a novel or short story for it to be, you know, entertaining or fun or that sort of thing? Or are there messages um, that you want to communicate? And really that's what social fiction is about. It's about, it's about getting those messages out in a way that's enjoyable for people to take them in. 
you know, everybody enjoys, you know, lying on the beach and reading a book or sitting on an airplane and reading a book or just cozying up in their favorite chair in their home um, versus, you know, you probably don't want to hear a lecture or you, you don't necessarily always want to read um, the news when you're on vacation. It can be depressing or upsetting, um, all of those kinds of things. But we enjoy fiction. So whether it's a play, a novel, a film, whatever it is, people elect to spend their leisure time in the world of fiction. And I think that that is a very useful tool for authors who want to communicate um, messages or insights based on their research or or just their professional work experience. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I'm going to put this in my context just so that, again, listeners can feel that this is not something outside of their reach. So take patient safety, for example. It's where I come from. I've written books on patient safety issues, patient advocacy, the the patient experience, a book about healthcare acquired infections. So if I took the research and the science aspects of it and crafted a fictionalized storyline around these issues, then that would be considered social fiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and think about how many people would benefit from that, Mm -hmm. how many people would be able to read it that might not feel up to reading the nonfiction version. Um, So it's a way of spreading that information further. I'll give you an example. I have a colleague and good friend who worked in public health um, in Texas for planning for pandemics. And this was long before we had our pandemic. So it was at a time when it seemed like we wouldn't really have this kind of scenario. But she worked in public health, um, helping Texas plan for how they would respond if there was ever a pandemic. And she wrote a novel called October Birds, which came out, I think, around 2014, but years before uh, the coronavirus pandemic that we all experienced. When you go back and read that novel now, it looks like she's a prophet or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She she was able to explain um, how people would be affected and how different groups would react in healthcare, in the public, just regular citizens and, and the kinds of things we'd experience. And it's all through fictional characters. And the great thing about a novel is if someone's reading a novel and they happen to enjoy it and they connect with it, then they really, they have empathy for the characters, they have compassion for them, they can step into their world, even if their world is different from our own. So it's really a great way to sort of get your knowledge and expertise out there. I mean, I would love for you to write the fiction version mm. of all this incredible nonfiction work that you've done. Interesting. You know what it makes me think about, Patricia, what happens to the shelf life of social fiction? To go back to my example about patient safety, my original book was written in 2008, and it's not nearly as valuable as it was at the time of publication because healthcare and healthcare safety issues in some aspects have changed and new, very serious ones have emerged affecting its shelf life. What happens to a fictionalized version in, say, 10, 20 or 50 years? Maybe it maybe it becomes historical fiction at that point. It could. I mean, it's a great question. And I think it really depends on the topic and the author's approach writing the work of fiction. So, you know, for example, uh, this woman who wrote this book, October Birds, this was before the coronavirus. But and then it was about a flu pandemic. So it was, you know, and it was made up and it was made up people. But you go back and read it now, and it it really resonates even after our pandemic. In fact, I would say it probably resonates more. 
Um, and, I, you know, I've had this experience. You mentioned low-fat love earlier. And low-fat love originally came out about 11 years ago. And it was my debut novel, and I did label it social fiction. And it really explores um, women's attraction to those who withhold their support, low self-esteem, toxic relationships, um, that sort of thing. Um, and it's about, you know, ultimately it's really about learning to love yourself. I mean, it's written like a romantic comedy or chiclet or something like that, but it does have these serious messages from research I had done about women's lives and identities for over a decade at the time when I wrote the novel. And if you read the novel now, and as you know, I put out a 10th anniversary edition not that long ago, and when I was going back to revise it, I thought, gee, like, you know, technology has changed, for example. So in the original version, the people have Blackberries, mm-hmm. and that's how they're communicating with each other, whereas now, you know, most people have a smartphone and not a Blackberry. And I think that some young people, probably my 22-year-old daughter included, might not even know what a Blackberry is. Mm-hmm. So I was reading it and thinking about, you know, what do you update and what do you not update? Um, and I actually decided not to update some of those things. I decided to let the book stand for the moment in which it was written. Yes. And the amazing thing is I've received so many emails from people who have only read the new edition, the 10th anniversary edition. It's their first time reading it and telling me how much they relate to it and how it captures certain things that are happening in the culture right now with women and girls' lives and going on and on. And it's almost as if those little details um, don't really matter for their ability to take in the broader themes. So I think it really depends on what you want to communicate. I mean, if you want to communicate broader themes and ideas, I think fiction is really well suited to that. And those tend not to change that much over time or not over five or 10 years. Those usually take longer to shift. But if you really want to relay, you know, technical sort of details and information, then you're right. I mean, it's going to change the shelf life. Interesting. Thank you for answering that question. So you didn't invent social fiction, you reinvented it, and thus the title of the book, Reinvention, Methods of Social Fiction. Exactly. That's how I see it. Because for years, people have been crediting me with inventing um, social fiction, and I'm always quick to jump in and correct them that I gave it a name, but I gave a name to a practice that people have been doing for a very, very long time. Um, you know, the, the founder of neurology, the American founder of neurology, um, wrote more than 15 novel short stories and plays, and many of them were about patient observations and that sort of thing. People have been doing this for a long time. Um, and so I really look at it as a reinvention. Um, I'm giving it a name, and in my book, I too try to detail um, approaches that people can use for writing a work of fiction. So if you've never written a work of fiction before, if you read the book, my hope is that it does include everything you would need to know to write a work of fiction. And I actually have exercises at the end of every chapter. There are two sets of exercises. One are geared towards students, so if students read the book in a class. But the other set of exercises are just geared towards anyone who wants to take their knowledge or expertise or research and write a work of fiction. And if you do the exercises at the end of every chapter, it's one exercise at the end of every chapter, that's it. If you do the whole thing, you will end up writing an entire work of fiction. 
So that's really my goal is to help uh, give people the tools to do this themselves if they want to, because so many people have valuable knowledge and expertise and would like to share it in a way that's engaging where anybody could understand it. You don't need a certain degree to be able to read it. And this is a way of doing that. Right. Well, you answered my next question about who would benefit from reading your book. And obviously, anyone who wants to write fiction or get better at the craft. I think so. I mean, that's my hope. And um, the reason I say that this book really took me 20 years to do is because I had to write more than a dozen full-length works of fiction before I felt ready to write a book like this. So not only have I done research into the arts and created um, I, you know, coined the term social fiction, but I've also um, written more than a dozen novels, a collection of short stories, and it really took all of that experience for me to be able to map out what are the things that a person needs to know when they're writing fiction. How do they choose a structure? How do they begin? How do they develop characters? And I'm not saying there's only one way to do that, not by any stretch, and the book doesn't say that. But the book gives you different strategies. How do you develop a metaphor? How do you use symbolism? How do you create a narrative? Um, how do you decide if you're going to write in first person or third person? And so I had to write many works of fiction to sort of notice those patterns and also to feel like my fiction was diverse enough as a body of work that I could really give advice on, you know, different structures. So, for example, there's a chapter on the traditional three-act structure. There's a chapter on alternative structures. There's a chapter on open structures. There's a chapter on sequels. I actually had to spend the last two decades doing all of those things in order to be able to write the book. So I really do feel like it's the culmination of my work. And my fondest hope really is just that it's useful for people who want to write something creative. Mm -hmm. So smart of you um, to actually walk in the trenches so that the reader believes and understands that you know what you're talking about. And then you even use examples of your own writings to exemplify what you're talking about within this book, Reinvention. That's exactly right. So I, um, and that was challenging. I wanted to use in every chapter an excerpt from one of my published works of fiction and use it as an example of the things discussed in that chapter. And then after the excerpt, I write, I wrote original reflection on what I was trying to achieve um, you know, what are the tools that I used? Uh, in some cases, I talk about what I think worked well, what did not work well, um, things I've learned to do better. But the idea is to, to give examples. And so um, that was a real challenge. I had to go back through my entire body of published fiction to choose, you know, which novels am I going to excerpt, which excerpts am I going to pick. Um, and it was really difficult because you sort of always want to pick your favorites, to be honest. Like, who doesn't want to pick their favorites? But by the same token, I really wanted to choose excerpts that I thought would illustrate the points in the book and be the most helpful. So it was a balancing act. I picked some of my favorites, but I also picked some that maybe aren't my favorites, but I thought that they would be a useful teaching tool for whoever might be reading the book. Right, right. Yeah, I imagine it would have been a bit of a challenge to keep this type of book compelling. And so I think that the examples of your writing accomplish that including the little tip bubbles you have and the, as you mentioned, the skill buildings and the exercises that are included within each chapter. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I mean, that's my hope. And and again, it just goes to show you, though, because a lot of people um, enjoy reading fiction. And so to write what is really a nonfiction book about writing fiction, I had to incorporate a lot of fiction in order to make it interesting and engaging and something that I would want to read. So if I don't want to read it, I can't expect anyone else would. Um, and I did have fun with the tip bubbles. I mean, you know, I, I've been an author for over 20 years, and so I, I've amassed a lot of experience for whatever it's worth. I've I've made mistakes. I've learned things. I've done a few things that I'm, I'm glad I did them the way I did them. And so I was glad to be able to offer sort of everything I've learned along the way. Um, and some things I really had to learn by trial and error and by making mistakes. And, and if I can save readers some of that and just give them these tips, I'm more than glad to do so. Well, I believe you did. You accomplished what you were looking to set out to do. And, you know, you think about readers and you think, okay, well, a reader is a reader. But readers approach fiction in a different way than they might approach a nonfiction book. And I think that's something for authors to keep in mind as well. So maybe with that statement, how so? How do you see readers approaching fiction versus nonfiction in in different and or similar ways? I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think I think a few ways. I mean, first of all, readers usually approach fiction for pleasure, um, and I think that's really important. When readers find joy in it, nobody is forcing someone. At least you know, once they're out of high school, nobody is forcing you to read a novel. So you're electing to, and you're probably doing it only because you want to. So there's pleasure and there's fun and enjoyment. And then it's also, I think, people approach fiction um, without any sort of defenses built in. I think when people read nonfiction sometimes, especially if it's something uh, divisive or political or controversial, people approach it sort of ready to defend whatever they already think. Um, and not necessarily wanting to hear what the author is saying, or they approach it just wanting to agree with the author because they have the same point of view. Whereas people don't approach fiction that way. Um, they just approach it as stories that they can engage with, and they like some more than they like others. And so I think those things are important, that people approach it um, they you know for pleasure, for fun, in a non-defensive way. I also think that people feel perfectly capable of reading fiction, whereas I think sometimes nonfiction can be intimidating. You know, people might be afraid that it's going to be too difficult or too dense or they don't have the right education for that particular book, whereas I think when people approach fiction, they just think, you know, of course I can read this if I choose to. And I think all those things are important. And uh, I also think, you know, fiction lingers. If you enjoy it, you know, if you if you really get into a book, it's hard to even put it down. You want to see what happens next. You might remember the characters. You might take them into your heart in a meaningful way. Um, and I, I've been lucky as an author to have some readers tell me, you know, 10 years after putting out a work of fiction that they think about this character or that character. Mm-hmm. And that's just something you don't experience in the same way with nonfiction. So I, I think it's really special. It is. I know when I approach a nonfiction book, I read it to understand. And when I approach a fiction book, I read it to enjoy. But then you've got that sneaky combination, which I would imagine happens with social fiction, that it teaches via a more entertaining chassis, which is fiction. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you, some of my favorite reader comments over the years 
have been people who just pick up one of my novels for their book club or to read on the beach. I mean, they're really just picking it up to read it for enjoyment. But then they tell me about all the things they reflected on afterward or that they saw in a different way or that they learned or it challenged some assumption they had. So the the learning is there. Um, and you don't have to beat people over the head with it. You can write a book that people want to read and hopefully enjoy and connect with, but they will learn things from it. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think it's, I think it's great for a reader to approach something without any sort of anxiety attached to it or without any goals even. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're reading a nonfiction book for work, which I do all the time, but there's always goals attached to it. There are reasons why I'm reading it, something I, you know, feel I have to get from it. Um, um, and that's not the case with fiction, which just allows you to go in this sort of immersive way and engage your imagination and hopefully enjoy it. Yep. No expectations. That feels good. Absolutely. <laughs> I do want to talk about your cover. It came in second place in the Firebird Book Awards, and it's just so aesthetically pleasing. You just want to look at it. So let's just talk about the cover. Why? How did it come about? Thank you so much. I have to give all credit to Paul Gordon, who handles all the art design for Guilford Press. And and I've worked with them for over 15 years, so he's worked on many covers with me, and he's truly talented. Um, It was a pretty collaborative process. I had ideas about the color scheme that I wanted for the cover because I wanted it to look very contemporary and modern, because really the opening of the book is saying, you know, look, social fiction people have been doing this for 100 years. But yet, I want it to be a reinvention, and I want it to be modern. So I knew the kinds of colors I wanted, um, and my editor had some ideas about possible images. And then Paul Gordon came up with this cover, um, which I just couldn't love more. And I, I love the idea that it, it's sort of like an old-fashioned quill, like a, like an old invention, but it's completely modern and brightly colored. And so it's it it you know, really conveys the title of reinvention. So so thank you so much for your kind words about it. I have to say, I jumped up and down when they sent me the mock-up cover, and I was so excited. I thought, wow, he really nailed it. Oh, for sure. You get the feeling of the quill and then just the beauty of the colors. It's just stunning, and, and it's memorable. I, I think about it just at random, which is sounds kind of weird, but I, think- <laughs> I, I will take that compliment. No, that is fantastic. I mean, I really love it. And look, I mean, as you said, I've published over 40 books and I, you know, I'm always invested in the covers. And so there are, you know, many I'm happy with, but I have to say I have a couple favorites and this is definitely one of them. And there have only been a couple of covers that I've gotten the first mock-up and said, oh, yeah, that's oh. it. Don't change a thing. <laughs> you know, and this was certainly one of those. Oh, perfect. Oh, wow. So it's always so fascinating talking with you. I learn a lot. Before we begin to head out here, uh, what's next? What are you working on now? Well, I just had a new novel released called Film Blue, which I'm very excited about. It's really, it, it sort of takes place uh part of it in New York, part of it in Los Angeles, and it follows a few young women who are trying to build a creative path, basically. They all have a different creative dream. You know, one wants to be a filmmaker, one's a DJ, and so on and so forth, and they're struggling along the way. They have a lot of obstacles in their way, on their way to try to pursue their dreams, but really, um, Film Blue is a novel about possibilities, um, and it's it's meant to ultimately be inspiring, and so I hope that it is. So I've just released that, and I'm working on a couple of other novels that are going to be rolling out next year. 
Oh, I love you. I love what you what you do, all the work you do. And um, yeah, I look forward to reading Film Blue. Just oh, thank out. you. You are so kind. And I want to thank you so much for having me and creating this space for authors and also the incredible charitable work you do. I have to say, it is just the most wonderful program and to be recognized it is absolutely a thrill. Oh, I appreciate that coming from you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Any contact information you want to share before we head out? People are welcome to visit my website, patricialevy.com. That's L-E-A-V-Y. And if anyone's interested in reinvention, they can certainly find it on my website, but they can also go to guilford.com, the Guilford Press website, or Amazon, or really anywhere books are sold. So we're speaking with Patricia Levy. Her winning book is titled Reinvention, Methods of Social Fiction, just a gift for every author. I really do believe that it should be on every author's bookshelf after they've read it um, because there's a lot to be learned and gleaned from it. Website, patricialevy.com. My friend, thank you for today. I look forward to another conversation with you again soon. So keep writing and keep sharing with us. Thank you so much.